Welcome to The Heidi Roo Show, where you'll hear compelling stories from female leaders, creators, and innovators in interior design, fashion, beauty, fitness, food, business, and inspiration. And today, I'm talking with, I guess this is more like inspiration slash business, but I'm talking with Erin Eddy. She's the founder of So Worth Loving. It's a lifestyle clothing brand. It's been sold to in 50 states plus 30 countries. She's been featured by CNN, MSNBC, Mashable, Jezebel Magazine, Southern Living, and Atlanta. Anna Magazine. And Erin's story is um, really unique and really cool. So first of all, she ended up having to repeat fifth grade. And then she ended up, when it came time to college, she's like, you know, it's just not really for me. She helped her parents at their furniture company. And then she went to work for a nonprofit. And the owner of it said, hey, Erin, what is it that you really want to do? And she couldn't answer that question. And she came up with singing. So she ended up releasing an EP. Then her songs were then licensed to the Kardashians, uh, other TV shows and commercials. And one music video went viral. And that is what led to So Worth Loving. We'll hear the whole story coming up shortly. But before we hear Erin's story, something that I kept thinking about from her episode is that phrase, so worth loving. Because right now, love is a super cool word to use. And no, I mean, no one would argue that we need more love in this world, but we rarely talk about what that exactly looks like. What does love in action look like? And I really truly believe that it's hard to love someone else until you're able to show yourself grace and believe that you're worth loving. We all have that voice inside us that threatens that truth that you are worth loving. And personally, mine is rooted in performance. It's been that way since I was a little girl. And I'm telling you what, if I'm not doing a good job and getting affirmed that I'm doing a good job, I just feel so worthless. And I know that that's not true. Now, I'm not going to go and unpack all of that today for me, but I wanted to share because the performance thing, that may not be your role roadblock to believing that you are worth uh, loving, but it may be something like words from a parent. It may be teasing from peers. It may be mistakes that you've made, and you just think, man, I don't deserve it. It may be just feelings of failure. I mean, I wish that I could tell you that I live in that truth, that I am worth loving 24-7, but I do believe that the more that we can remind ourselves that we are worth loving, when those lies threaten us, then the more capacity we will have to love others. And then maybe they'll begin to believe that they're so worth loving too. So with that, let's go ahead and hear from Erin today. So Erin, take us back to growing up in a small town. We already heard that you had to repeat fifth grade, which is a big deal at that age. (laughs) Take us back to that time. What did you believe about yourself growing up? That's a really good question. Um, (laughs) The pattern in my life has always been this like rose-colored glasses. I remember growing up in the small town, went to this school. I had, um, I got tested with ADD at that point. And, but I think any kid in fifth grade has ADD when you put them in a room for like (laughs) two days and Uh make them hit a space bar when you hear a bird chirp. Right. That's that's how I got tested. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember my parents telling that we get into the house and we're around the coffee table. We sit down and my parents look at me and they're like, all right, sweetie, we have some news that we need to tell you. I'm like, okay, okay. They're like, now this doesn't define you. You're so smart. Mm-hmm. You're intelligent. 
And, they, and then they're <laughs> like, get to it. What's, what's going, going on? <laughs> and they're like, we're going to have to repeat fifth grade. And I thought in that moment, I thought, okay. And they go, and we're going we're gonna to go to another school. So we're changing schools and you're going to repeat fifth grade. And I thought, this is awesome. <laughs> because yeah. my, my glass was always half full, never half empty growing up. Um, and I thought, the reason I thought it was awesome because I'm going to actually maybe be average size. Right. Because I was always the tiniest in my class. Sure. Um, I will probably know all the answers to all the tests. So all the kids are going to want to come to me. So then I'll instantly be popular. Everything was like, my life just got better. Yeah. And you didn't have to have that fear about going to middle school because that's like no. a whole unknown part. No, not ready yet. Not yeah. ready to do it. I got I to gotta gain some people before I do that. <laughs> None of that happened. I was oh, still no. terrible at school. <laughs> I didn't know any of the answers to the test. And I still was the shortest in my class. Shoot, I was getting really excited for little popular Aaron over no, here. didn't Man. happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. But that didn't discourage you, though, did it? No, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. You know, honestly, I never I never saw it as a setback to a, my purpose in mm-hmm. any form. It was just kind of like, okay, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'll go through it. And then the next thing. I, and I think I've always kind of saw life that way. Mm-hmm. I can endure crazy circumstances. Okay, I'll get through it. It's a season. You know, but I, I do remember, like, one of the hardest seasons of life. I thought that that was, that was my forever um, but growing up and those types of like little blips, they were like little blips in comparison, mm-hmm. I think, to some of yeah. the bigger blips. But Where do you think that you got that confidence or resilience from and mm-hmm. seeing the world like you did? Hmm. I think I got that from my mom and dad because they own a furniture company mm-hmm. and they had owned it for 37 years. I watched them go through storms with that company. They've seen it all. When the economy crashed, they mm. couldn't get their bearings. I've watched them still be resilient and push forward with character and integrity and love and grace and compassion for other people. Mm-hmm. They never blamed other people for their circumstances. Yeah. And so they just kept moving forward. And I feel like that's because that was modeled for me. It just inherently came to something that I lived out. What a great, great example. Even though your parents owned this furniture company, you weren't exactly like a little <laughs> a little entrepreneur in high school or anything. In fact, after you left high school, you were like, I don't know what to do, right? So what was going through your head then? Like, were you just like, well, I'll just go where I can find a spot? Yeah. Is that what led you to the nonprofit? Yeah. So I I graduated high school. I didn't go to college. In high school, though, even though I was horrible. I was horrible at school, like so bad that I had to get taken out of my math class and do online school just for math Mm. so I could have one-on-one with my tutor. And my tutor on my exam, she she probably is going to hate that I tell this story, but it's okay. On my final exam, she actually helps answer my questions because she saw me struggling and she was like, this girl isn't going to go out your way. <laughs> she needs a little reinforcement she here. She was just like, all right, let me show you. All to say, like, I was terrible at school, but I had leadership skills. Mm-hmm. So I was editor of the yearbook and president of the student body and president of honor court system, which is like the 
morale of the school to make sure it's obtained or whatever. And so while I was terrible at the academics, I loved people. Mm. So I knew wherever I was going to go was going to be with people doing something for people because yeah. that's what I did in high school. So I uh, I begged this nonprofit to hire me because I loved their leadership mm. and I, I loved what they were doing for people. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, image consultant, maybe. At one time, I wanted to be a choreographer, but that definitely was never. Wasn't that good? <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, that's a dream that like you think about. Right, right, right. <laughs> but you yeah. don't do. Yeah. At home, in your mirror, <laughs> dancing right. to that's Janet right. Jackson. I did that yeah. last night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to Janet Jackson, too? No, it was, oh. it was to Iggy Azalea, but. <laughs> I love, hey, listen, that's a good choice. She is, uh, she is phenomenal. So it's. It sounds to me like it wasn't even necessarily that you were afraid to answer that question, but it was more of like there just wasn't a box that fit you, that you could fit into, which I bet so many people mm-hmm. can relate to. And I think that oftentimes I can imagine that there's some shame in that yeah. of not knowing what you do want to do. But so many times it's probably not that. It's just like... You are a unique person destined for things that are way outside of the box than most people think, mm. you know, and it, you just can't define it at that point. Mm. Thank you for saying that. I never, I never actually thought about it that way, mm. but I yeah. think that's right. I, that's how I feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the nonprofit, that's really where you kind of got those wings. Mm. Um, tell me about the question that your boss asked you and, yeah. and how that led to music. Gosh, that was such a – I felt like it was a tricky question because <laughs> I had begged for this job, and I was just like, I'll do the grunt work. I'll take out the trash. I'll do data cards and just spreadsheets. Like, I'll do cold calling. I mean, all the things that I actually don't enjoy doing, but I was so willing to do because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to work there. Um, so I remember – we were with all of the people that had helped start his organization. And then I'm like a newbie and I'm sitting at the table with them and just learning the ropes and everything. And I think it's only like eight months into me working there. And he looked at me at the at the table at the restaurant. And he's like, Aaron, tell me, like, what do you want to do? Like, sky's the limit. Like, what are your aspirations? And I'm like, um... I'm doing them. Like, trick question. I'm working here. Like, I'm taking out the garbage. Come <laughs> on, man. I'm I mean, doing half the cars. would be better than this. Jeez. <laughs> I'm like, if I answer, does is he going to see that my heart isn't in what I'm currently doing and is he going to remove me from it? Like, that's li- like for some reason, I went to that yeah. headspace because I had never really dreamt I had just always responded because I was so bad at school. And so it wasn't like I had an option to dream about opportunities within school and the academic field because I was terrible at it. Yeah. So I uh, I thought, I'm doing it. Like, I, lo- I love my job. He's like, no, no, no. Like, sky's the limit. Like, what's in you? Like, what do you want to do? And I couldn't answer it. And I remember getting home, doing laundry, putting the clothes from the washer into the dryer, thinking, what? why can't I answer that question? Like that should be, I feel like everybody talks about their dreams and aspirations yeah. and and I just had never thought about it. So I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, I want to do music. I I grew up singing it in the church at North Point and I thought, I think that's what I want to do, but I was scared to admit it. 
Sure. Well, and especially with music, that's a big kind yeah. of thing because it's like, well, yeah, a lot of people try music. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's yeah. It's a scary so industry. It is. It is. Yeah. And I, I thought, well, everyone's going to make fun of you if you, like, try to pursue music. Like, because technically you're old. You're 22. Like, because yeah, that's in that's music, old sure. in music. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, look at Taylor Swift. Gosh. I know. Come on. I mean, you don't start on. at 11 years old. <laughs> What kind of future do you have? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what I thought. I'm like, I'm an old lady stepping in. <laughs> 22. <laughs> right. Everybody older than you is like, I I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm 22 wanting to now pursue music. So I called up a producer and I said, let's do it. Let's do an EP. And he's like, all right, I need to interview you first. So he he was a producer where I guess you interview. I didn't even know how to do the thing. Right. So <laughs> he interviewed me to see if we were a good fit, and and then I started recording music. So I did that at night and still worked for the organization that I was mm-hmm. working for, and I started working my way up in the organization as an art director. So I went from storytell or from grunt work to storytelling in regards to like video production and script writing. Um, to then brand development and what their brand looks like at events to then kind of being having a hand in all of the digital world, um, print to things online, like the websites and yeah. stuff like that. But while I was doing that, I was doing music. And that it's interesting because once I started doing the thing that I loved at night, my career at the organization grew as well. And I think it was because I was feeding different parts of myself that huh. were that maybe had been dormant. That were coming alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And how encouraging it is for people that are afraid to pursue something that they Mm -hmm. really want and maybe even have to still have their other job that you could actually become satisfied with both in a weird way once you start opening your heart up to that. Yeah. Then something crazy happened because you were writing songs. I mean, you were making music and then... Um, I mean, in some of your songs, you license to the Kardashians, right? <laughs> like commercials. I, I okay. I know this is probably a long, long story, but can you tell us the cliff notes? Like, how uh-huh. in the world did that happen? Was that just somebody knew somebody, and then or, no, no? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's so random. It was so random because yeah, I was doing music, and I thought at the time, you know, I was married, and I didn't want to do tour life because I knew that that would that would hurt us. I would, I would just assumed. And so I thought, I still want to do music, so I'm going to figure out how to do it in another way yeah. and, like, get my voice out there. So I just – music blogs started picking me up, and I randomly get an email from MTV, VH1, and um, the Oxygen Channel, and uh, Lifetime. All these different people, I guess, that manage different departments wow. of licensing music. And MTV and VH1, they were like, they wanted to do my music, uh, uh, license my music for a real world road rules challenge. Oh my gosh. Which, do we remember that? that? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and, um, and I thought when I was reading it, I like just prayed when I signed the signature. I was like, please don't put my music in anywhere inappropriate. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> the door closes on the camera or something, and then your music starts blaring. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, because I knew one of the songs was a love song that they were licensing. I was like, oh gosh, I don't know where that's going to go. Um, and then Lifetime. It was the Bad Girls Club. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that show. Oh, I gosh. didn't watch it, but I do remember it. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> so 
one of my like poppy songs was on there. And then the Kardashians. That one I was really excited about because yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder. And I didn't have cable. So yeah. like I couldn't watch you it. You couldn't even watch it. No. That's <laughs> so hilarious. I had a friend record it on their phone and send it to me. That It was a random email. I don't know how they got my – I don't know how. Yeah. I was doing music, like YouTube videos. Um, I was really involved at BMI. Mm-hmm. So I just got really involved with them. I thought, okay, well, let me get in their roster of – and all that is is an email or a phone call to them. It wasn't like I had to know somebody that knew somebody inside BMI. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a treasure that not a lot of musicians think that you mm-hmm. can just go – and email and then meet up with. So I don't know if it was from their catalog to an online blog from when one of my music's one of my songs got featured. I don't know what it what wow. what it was, but the Kardashian clip it was sixty seconds, which is long for yeah, that's very music long. totally. And it brought Chloe and Lamar back together when they were fighting. Oh my gosh, <laughs> didn't last long, but yeah. <laughs> 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 but it, my love song brought them back together. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love it. And then one of your um, songs or your videos went viral. So yeah. tell me, tell me how that went down. Yeah. So I hadn't released. I had completed my first EP. Was working on my second. I hadn't released this one song. I was really excited about. It hadn't even been mastered yet. I uh, I thought. The iPad 2s were coming out, and this was when we were all like, whoa, it's got video capability oh, yeah. on front and back. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Did you have an iPad 2? I know. <laughs> it was not that cool. I've gotten, like, hand-me-down phones for my husband from the past, like, 15 years. <laughs> but amazing. I do remember that. <laughs> Everyone was like, what's it going to be like? So a few of my friends uh, owned a production company, a video, video production company. And they were like, what if we did, and they had done my few of my other music videos, what if we did a, the first ever iPad 2 music video? I'm like, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Sure. I have a song. It's not done, but let's do it. Right. So we sit in line for, for like seven hours. This was, we decided on Thursday we were going to do this. Friday was when they were released. And we got probably 100 people involved wow. within 24 hours to do this. Like, we had dancers, like, people that were, like, doing all these dancing in the video. And, I mean, we were somehow able to get a house that had a basement that let us do, like, all these lights and music. And it was just – it came together so quickly. But we all sat in line for seven, eight hours because that was when – you know, when, yeah. I, when Apple would release, people would just wrap around yeah, the building. Sure. So we sat for like seven, eight hours. We all got six, like four four to six iPads. So we did that, and then we did the first music video shot on iPads. And then wow. we released it to the world within 24 hours of the release of the iPad. So from Thursday to, to Saturday at 12 a.m., we you shot and released it mm-hmm. all at once. That is amazing. It was so fun. Okay, so here's what's so amazing about that and why I will say, yes, I did not have an iPad 2 <laughs> and why I get my husband's hand-me-downs. Because just updating my phone <laughs> is a challenge and takes me a long time. So the fact that not only that you were able to shoot the video, but that you were able to set up the iPad 2 in that time, <laughs> I am already impressed with you. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, because it has to do setup mode yeah, and you have yeah. to choose the languages. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my head, yeah, explodes. So that is so impressive. But then it goes viral. I mean, you never, you never expected it no. to go viral, right? <laughs> no. We just thought it'd be a fun little 
project. And we're like, oh, let's just see, like, what happens. And, yeah. And then we watch the numbers just, like, boom, 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 just grow, grow, grow. And Gizmodo and Gadget and Apple.com and MSNBC. And, 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 and what's cool is that it's an original song, too. Mm-hmm. But there was, like, the insecure Aaron that's like, oh, my gosh, but it hasn't been mixed or mastered yet. Like, <laughs> no, but it didn't matter. But, um, right. <laughs> but, yeah, I watched it just grow. And then I saw a lot of hate. I think mm. we all want something to go viral. Sure. We all want to be known quickly and instantly. Oh, yeah. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I I just saw a lot of people tear my music apart, tear my appearance apart. Mm. I was I was told some horrible things, like comments on YouTube by people that don't know me and that live in another country or live in the same country in North Carolina. Like, mm-hmm. just all these, like, random things. And I that was when the first time I was like, wow, like, if I want to do anything public, where pe- a lot of people know I have to have thicker skin hmm. um, in order because that it's going to inevitably happen. Right, right. So then you did something in response, which is – it's really amazing because the way that you responded the way you did because most people would let that get to them. And, I mean, I would probably grab, like, a thing of ice cream and <laughs> go home and be like, oh, my gosh, everything. So so first of all, I want to know, like, what gave you the courage to respond the way that you did? And then tell me what you did then, too, that, yeah. that started everything that you're doing now. <laughs> I was so overwhelmed by the amount of people that did love and support what mm-hmm. I was doing. I, I honestly, I felt honored. All of the negative comments made me love the positive ones more which I think a lot of times in our life we allow the negative to outweigh the positive instead of appreciate the positive so in response I just decided I wanted to create some sort of product that the people that were fans of my music could identify with Uh, not anything of my name or my face but more so something that they can make their own and so I thought I'm gonna tell them that they're worth loving it just kind of came to my mind but I didn't have money to byproduct. So I'm scrappy and I love crafts. So I thought, I'm going to spray paint stranger shirts. Why don't they just mail me their shirt if they want one? Sure. I'll spray paint and I'll mail back to them for free. Yeah. So And you thought, I mean, how many people are really going to respond? I mean, maybe four and it's my mom. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, it's going to be a simple, small little passion project. But it did not happen like that. No. (laughs) At all. (laughs) How many shirts did you get in that first week? What was so fun was working at my job and coming home and checking my mailbox. Because it's like, do I have one shirt? Do I have five shirts? Do I have ten shirts? And I would open it up every day. I'd be like, one shirt. Or the next day, it's like, oh my gosh, I have five packages in here. Or, oh, I have ten. And it just... It just kept accumulating. So over the course of a few months, I had done a, around 100 shirts of strangers I didn't know. Wow. Of people just wanting to wear this message. And let me tell you, it wasn't pretty looking. Like yeah. it was like cardboard stencils, <laughs> duct taped, <laughs> and fabric spray paint. And I had... I had to buy multiple cardboard stencils because it'd get soggy and then right. it would make the shirt bleed. I mean, there was a techniques I had to learn. Like it was, <laughs> it was so funny. But it, what, what it communicated to me was there's hundreds of people that want to mail a shirt, have something spray painted on it that reminds them that they're worthy of love mm. and willing to wait however long for it to be mailed back. That to me communicated more than the design 
it communicated that they're just just desiring somebody to tell them that they're worthy of love because mm. they maybe they've never been told that. Yeah. You know, yeah. or maybe they have lived their life through the lens of not believing that they're worthy of love. And like you said, you know, when we go through our life, how many of us focus on the negative versus the positive? Yeah. And when you have this much negative stuff and a few things that are positive, that negative, man, that mm. really can tear you down. And so having that daily reminder of that positive to think that way, I mean, mm. I don't know if everybody wore their shirt every single day, but you know what I mean? In <laughs> yeah. between washes, at yeah. least. <laughs> It's their favorite shirt. <laughs> yeah. So you would say that people would mail you your shirt, but also get, share stories, right? Yes. Do you have like one story that you remember above all else? Melissa, she's on our team. She's been on our team for seven years. But before she was on our team, she just she just sent a shirt and sent a letter. And she had gone through abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, all growing up, and had en- endured... Um, rape and uh, eating disorder and drug use and just and then she was she's one of triplets um was abandoned by her mom growing up with a with a woman at a at this church that she got involved with and then that woman adopted her and Mm -hmm. that woman stayed by her and and loved her and became her mom and and her second mom um, and and so she shared her whole story of like, I have had so much darkness in my life mm-hmm. and like hearing that I'm worth loving because I think sometimes when we go through darkness, we think we deserve it. Like for some reason we have this yeah. like in us that we think, oh, like it's something I did wrong or it feels dismantling. So it must be something bad that I chose. Mm-hmm. And so she had that starting from such a young age. Mm. And believing in that and living in that shame for all of her childhood mm-hmm. to then hearing a message of, you know, like, despite all of that, you are absolutely worth loving and valuable mm-hmm. and and your life has purpose. To, yeah. Like, if anything, there's purpose in this pain for something bigger and more yeah. beautiful. So, yeah, her story was the one that just – I mean, there, there's so many, though. I mean – so now you have this whole company because you took that need and you thought, wow, we need to come up with more stuff like this. And obviously my stencils, you know, I can't just <laughs> yeah. go off these cardboard stencils for the rest of, for the rest of the world. So you created a company so worth loving, which you you have apparel and you have a necklace that you brought me and pin it and you've got posters and all kinds of stuff yeah. up there. I wanted to kind of close the podcast with asking you this, what do you think would happen if our community, our world, if they really believed that they were worth loving? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think that if people believed that they were worth loving, that they would be able, I think that we would all be able to love each other better. I think that we would be able to sit in other people's messes. Um, And I think that we would, our friendships and our relationships in our whether dating or marriage would flourish because there's not this pressure for somebody else to fill the void inside of us Mm. Aaron (laughs) this is so good um and we want to keep talking so if you want to hear more from Aaron we're actually just going to kind of talk a little bit more on our YouTube channel and the link will be below um but thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today and um we'll have another one for you coming up in a couple weeks thank you so much for having me yeah